All right, all right. Welcome to the Michael Slate Show. Damn, you know, every time I hear that song, I re- it's, even though it's been like <laughs> a long time, I keep thinking I just want to pound it up or I want to get a number of things to help it. And then I realize it doesn't need any help because it's just a damn good song. And uh, really fits with the, what we've been trying to do with this show for a long time. You know, it's been a long, very long time that we've been here. And uh, it's going fast. And I learned a lot. And hopefully we've brought a lot of uh, stuff out to people, too, who have who continue to support this show. So it's going to we have a we have a very interesting uh, piece for you today. We have a very interesting show for you today. On today's show, we're going to spend the entire hour with Carl Dix. Now, a lot of you know Carl Dix from his previous his pre- previous visits on this show. He's a representative of the Revolutionary Communist Party and an advocate of the new communism of Bob Avakian. Now, we're going to be talking with Carl about the verdicts in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and Brunswick, Georgia. Why the whole system is guilty. All right, get that. The whole system is guilty. It's not just a couple of... You know, it happens here or there. It's a mistake. It's anything else. It's the whole system that has set this up. The whole system is guilty. And why Why the world, actually? Let's put it that way. Why the world needs revolution and nothing less. Carl, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on again, Michael. Yeah, definitely, man. So uh, what are you thinking, man? <laughs> it's. I mean, here's the thing. We're, we're going we're gonna to be talking about this this whole verdict and stuff, as I said. In this past week, among all the other things going on in the in the, in the world— there have been two important murder trials in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and uh, a white supremacist fascist, Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, was acquitted for shooting three people. He was acquitted for shooting three people at a protest against police killings. The other trial was in Georgia. The trial that, uh, and I tell you, every time I talk about, tri- here, listen, trials in Georgia, it makes my, Georgia, it makes my skin just crawl, you know, having spent a little bit of time in Georgia. And uh, seeing what they were doing many years ago and all the hor- horrible things they were doing then. And you can only imagine what they're doing now. So this other trial was in Georgia, the trial of the three men who carried out a modern-day lynching of Ahmad Ar- Arbery, a black Arbery. man. Arbery, right. A black man who was out jogging. All three were found guilty. You know, now let's, 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 let's talk about this because it's not surprising that there were uh, two such trials going on at once. A bunch of basically two of them going on. The history of America is drenched in white supremacy and lynch mob terror. Think about that in a, in a certain sense. And that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to spend the hour with you, Carl, because that's something that people just don't see a whole lot, where they, they see it and they let it float past. It's, you know, they, let it, they, they say things are going to chill. Things are going to come out. It's going to work out. Don't worry about it. You know it's going to work out. But you know, I know, and everybody else should be beginning to know at the very least that this is a sad, sad, this is a, this is a terrible this is a terrible country we live in. It's a terrible, it's a terrible kind of state. It's a terrible. It's just a terrible makeup here, and it spreads across the country and across the country and across the world in a lot of ways. So I wanted to have you on here to talk about this, Carl. So why don't we jump into this first? Let's talk about the verdict in Kenosha. What happened in late August 2020 in Kenosha, Wisconsin? People, you know, it's 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 very important that we give people a a thoroughgoing understanding of what this what 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 happened here what this is all about so let's let's jump on it man okay well to start with the kenosha verdict and what that came out of there were black lives matter protests in the kenosha area because a black man named jacob blake 
had been shot seven times in the back by police in broad daylight as he got in his car. Um, the cop who shot Jacob Blake faced no charges, was not punished in any way, and this was caught on video, and people took to the streets in outrage over that. And Kyle Rittenhouse comes into the picture because he answered the call from an avowed white supremacist, you know, and this is no joke on my part. This guy let it all hang out where he stood. A avowed white supremacist called on people to form a Kenosha guard to protect against this Black Lives Matter uprising that was happening in Kenosha to protect the community against that, even though the, a section of the community was who was protesting in the streets. And Kyle Rittenhouse came out with his gun to be a part of that. Now, this is something that did not get brought into the trial because the judge put both his feet on the scale. He didn't just put his thumb on the scale. He put both his feet on it and ruled that they could not talk about these kinds of things. They had nothing to do with the case. So the avowed white supremacist was able to get out there and testify as a concerned community member who wanted to protect businesses. And that's the wing that Kyle Rittenhouse was under as he did all this mayhem, murdering two people and severely wounding another. And as the police allowed him to walk away from the scene of his shootings and went after the protesters that he had just ran, ran amok among, killing several of them. So this is what this was about. And as I said, the judge made clear that Rittenhouse's political stance and affiliations, what he was even doing there, could not be raised by the prosecution, although Rittenhouse could get on the stand and say, oh, I came down to give medical aid, be a medic or an EMT for the people who, who were on both sides of the protest. And then even once he raised that, the prosecution wasn't able to challenge it with his real motivation. So this set up the thing for a not guilty verdict for Rittenhouse. Grease the skids towards it. The other thing that the judge wouldn't allow to come out was that Rittenhouse hung out in the months after he carried out these two murders with the Proud Boys. They wined and dined him and his mother, put his face on uh, T-shirts. When they attacked Congress on January 6th, some of them were chanting, Break Out Kyle. And Rittenhouse was the Kyle they were chanting at. So there was a clear covering up in the actual court proceedings of where he stood, where he was coming from. But around the country, he was pretty clearly being taken up by fascist stormtroopers, white supremacist mobs, fascists in and out of government. And the not guilty verdict was a green light to those forces. It was like, this is fine, come out and do it. 
and do even more of it. And this is very significant, not only for this, the outcome of this trial and the fact that a white supremacist was allowed to get away with murder, but it's very important in relation to the looming clash over the, what future this country is going to have. Is it going to end up a fascist future, you know, or is it going to be more of the same capitalist imperialist coming down on people in the normal ways as opposed to even more viciously in a fascist way? Or is a third future, a revolutionary future, going to be possible? Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this, Carl. First off, I want people to know the names of the people that were that that were hurt, were killed on this. Can you tell the people that Anthony Huber, Joseph Jojo Rosenbaum, and uh, the third guy? I have trouble with his name. His last name, I believe, is Gross Gage. Mm-hmm. First name starts with a G. That's as close as I can come off mm-hmm. the top. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, the reason I wanted you to do that is because you know it's it's important that people get. What the, what the divisions are here in the society, what the divisions are, and what, what, what's it mean? You know, we can't just talk about, like, you know, what they print in the newspapers or something. We really actually have to understand, I think, broadly, we have to understand what's going down here. What, who is being impacted by this? What's, what's, what's happening with all this? You know, and one of the things that this, you know, that the writer and activist Paul Street counted out 14 people, 14 people who were killed during the beautiful uprising following the murder of George Floyd. You know, and, and, you know, we should tell people what the beautiful uprising is. These were largely nonviolent protests, which were the targets of badly, of deadly attacks by cops, fascists and other people. Other Nazis, basically. Can you say something about all that? Yeah, I mean, because this is part of the looming contention over what the future is going to be. And people have to look at that and understand the role they need to play in it, because you have at the top of society, a real fight over what's going to be, and by the top, I mean among the representatives of the capitalist imperialist class and their two political parties. They're in very intense infighting over what's the best way to keep their system in effect, to keep the white supremacy, to keep the male supremacy, to keep the anti-immigrant hysteria and the devastation of the environment in effect. And one side of it, the fascist side grouped around the Republican Party, is that the normal way we've been doing this ain't good enough, and we have to bring down the iron fist. And the other side is like, no, it's best to do this through some deception, some inclusion. That's what the fight is over. And things like the beautiful uprising, when millions and millions of people took to the streets in outrage over the murder of George Floyd, and pose the question of demanding an end to white supremacy is a threat to the whole system. And there was, on the one hand, a very significant police clampdown on this, and at the same time, some unleashing of white supremacist fascist forces to help hold it down. And when I say this thing of a police clampdown, some people are like, what are you talking about, man? Well, I'm talking about the police who drove into protesters here in New York City, where I was at that time. I mean, they literally drove their cars into protests, injuring people here. I'm talking about 
situations where police use rubber bullets and real bullets to try to hold people down. I'm also talking about some of the places, and this was in many places across the country, where armed fascist thugs came out to protests of white supremacy during the beautiful uprising. This was the facing off that was going on around the country. And the uprising, which, as you said, was overwhelmingly peaceful, was beautiful in that it brought forward all kinds of people, people from different races and nationalities, men and women, differently gendered people, young and old, to stand together to say black lives matter, white supremacy must end, which is a great threat and and had the defenders of this system shaking in their boots on both sides of that divide. But they had different plans and programs for what's the best way to clamp down on it to keep things under control. And people need to recognize that. They need to recognize the power they displayed in that. And they need to seriously grapple with what is it that they need to do to actually achieve what they were aiming for, ending white supremacy, ending the horror of police brutalizing and murdering mostly black and brown people wantonly. This is what people need to do, and that's what the movement for an actual revolution led by Bob Avakian, the author of The New Communism, is challenging people to do. I mean, they've issued, the Revcoms have issued a declaration, a call to get organized now for a real revolution. And Bob Avakian himself has written a pamphlet This is a rare time when revolution becomes possible. Why that is so and how to seize on this rare opportunity. Both of them available at the website revcom.us that get right to the analysis of the current situation and what those of us who hate the horrors that this system brings down on people need to grapple with and need to do to seize the opportunity to see to it that neither of the futures represented by the two parties representing the capitalist imperialist system ends up being the future that we're stuck with, one that will keep all of the horrors that we hate in effect, but can bring into being a better future, a better society and world. And the only way that it's really possible, and that's through revolution. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm going to be kind of, be a little freelance here for a while, but I think, I think listen, you know, okay. listening to what you're saying, I'm going to think about this thing. You know, the, the not guilty verdict in Wisconsin was one of those times when, when we say, I was shocked, but I wasn't surprised. What happened at that trial? You know, because it's very, it's important for people to understand this, being shocked and uh, not surprised. You know, if you're shocked and you're not surprised, there's still a problem. You, you know, don't be surprised so, so hard that you can't see what's really going on. And I'm tempted to say that the Kenosha verdicts are a leap in a situation similar to January 6th that happened, you know, the, the big major uphill, upheaval and the killing of so many people in, uh, on January 6th, where, where are we in the struggle to refuse fascism? Because that's actually a lot of what this comes down. If you're thinking about this and you're looking at what's happening, you're studying the thing, we're talking about a question of fascism coming down hard and heavy. No, exactly. And people do need to look at it because you look at this trial you see the way in which guy murders two people and seriously wounds another, you know, in as part of a mob 
that had come out of an armed white supremacist mob that had come out in opposition to unarmed protesters, large, mostly unarmed protesters, at a Black Lives Matter protest. They carry this stuff out. Then a trial gets carried out where the stance, and in fact even the existence of this white supremacist mob, gets wiped away by the judge, doesn't allow the prosecutor to bring any of this up, freezes the skids to let this fascist punk murderer get walk get to walk out free and to proclaim and be picked up and lionized and celebrated by the fascist forces all across the country in and out of government. And I'm talking about the Proud Boys and the Praetorian Guard and all those other forces who were in D.C. attacking the Capitol on January 6th and who see Kyle Rittenhouse as a hero and a role model that people need to follow. And, you know, you have Donald Trump bringing him down to Mar-a-Lago. You have fascists in Congress competing to get to offer him an internship. That side is lining up. That side is moving very aggressively. And we need to see that. And to see one of their favored forces get a not guilty verdict after murdering two people and seriously wounding another and trying to parse the trial down to uh, little clips of video saying, well, is, isn't he charging? Rittenhouse, doesn't that mean Rittenhouse gets to kill him? But look at, the, look at what actually happened. A guy throws a bag at Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse didn't even know what was in the bag. It wasn't a weapon. He turns and shoots Rittenhouse. Mm -hmm. Now you've got an active shooter in the midst of a Black Lives Matter protest. One of the protesters tries to stop him because they figure, who else is he going to shoot? He shoots that protester, and then he shoots another guy. But all of this is legal. This is actually a call out to those white supremacist fascist forces who have been arming themselves, organizing themselves into militias, attacking state capitals, and then finally on January 6th, attacking the U.S. Capitol. It is a flashing green light to them to go forward, to continue with this. And this is what we have to see. And we have to see that mass resistance was and is very important. We should not, we cannot allow this to intimidate us from taking to the streets. We have to continue to take to the streets in the face of outrageous verdicts like this and in relation to victories that we win, like the guilty verdicts in the case of the murderers of Ahmad Arbery. That mass resistance is important, but then we have to connect it to what is going to be the real solution to this. And the real solution is not going to be to hope that the system works. And we should talk about the Arbery case in the context of that question of does this mean the system can work and you just have to do the right things to get it to work. It can't be, the approach to that mass resistance can't be 
to tie it to the tail of the Democratic Party donkey because uh, you do not want to be on the ass end of that because you know what comes out of that end. That side has no answer for us because you keep getting this thing about we're going to work across the aisle, we're going to bring the country together when the country is splitting in two and one side of it has a very, very foul future in store. The other side is just trying to keep the status quo together, a status quo that is dripping with the blood and bones of people, not only historically, but current day. And it's a status quo that is not acceptable. We can't sit by and allow so many people to be treated as less than human the way this system does. We can't sit by and let it operate in a way that is taking humanity to the point where there may not be a future for the planet, the very planet that we live on, and all the other horrors that it brings down. We have to connect that to a movement for an actual revolution, a movement that is putting forward the real way out of this madness, a movement that has the leadership for carrying out that needed revolution in Bob Avakian, the architect of the new communism, a guy who has a leader who has developed a strategy for revolution, a leader who has authored a blueprint for the kind of society that could be brought into being through that revolution. And all these examples of his leadership are available again at the website revcom.us. You could also check him out and some of his followers out at the weekly Revolution Nothing Less show that comes on YouTube premiering every Thursday and then being posted up on the uh, at the Revcom's YouTube channel. And people really need to do that because this is really a time when revolution becomes possible. It's not always possible in a powerful country like this, but the crisis and the infighting happening at the top of this system is actually creating the conditions when revolution could become possible and when that happens in a country like this, it's very important that those who don't want to see more lives crushed and beaten down by this system seize on that opportunity, rally to this movement for an actual revolution, get into and engage the works of the leadership of this revolution and get with the movement for revolution. Mm-hmm. Let me jump in here for a minute because I got to tell people that you're listening to The Michael Slate Show and we're talking today with Carl Dixon. We're talking about what happened just recently in the streets. The idea that what was being sent out there was a big, massive assault on the right of people to stay alive even, you know, and and what was the answer to that was people, yes, there were a lot of Nazis out there. There were a lot of these other, but the fact that these people are just, just mad dog killers and they're, they're not just they're not just a handful of people. They represent and they are... They're working with a massive development like this, a massive thing that's, that's occurring across the country. And this whole point about everyone who cares about justice, about black lives, about a decent future for humanity, that people do need to, as we were talking about, people do need to get, to get with this, as you're saying, get with the RevComs and get busy preparing for this revolution. Now, your thoughts about all this, you've been saying some stuff that's been very good. And I think this point about that I think people don't get a chance to hear a lot. They just don't get a chance to hear it a lot because it's always... You know, it always gets all mixed up and it always gets sort of twisted around and somehow you end up, you start out looking at something and think, I'm going to find out the truth here. 
And what you find out is that actually there's very little truth in what gets reported in the papers. There's very little truth in what um, the, the, the system says. And you really have to dig and fight to, to, to get into this. And, you know, and I think it's, we can talk a little bit about that if you have anything more to say on that. And then I want to go into talking about uh, Ahmed Arbery. Um, so you want to talk on this on this other one first about where the masses of decent where are the masses of no that's the question okay that's the damn question where are the masses of decent people you know sometimes if you think that all of the people who have called out fascism on Twitter would get into the streets to stop fascism we would have a pretty damn big movement already what's going yeah, on man? see here's the thing about this people need to look back to last year. Because where all those masses of people were who hated this stuff, hated seeing it go down, were in the streets saying no more of this. And they sincerely meant that, but then the question was, how do you make it happen? And that's what didn't, people were unable to, were not able to connect with. And then you get hit with a lot of stuff. You get hit with solutions that are, non-solutions this is what you should do you got to get trump out you got to get out of the streets and get into coming up with some policies in order to change things because protest doesn't change anything you get hit with you know lies about the protests being violent and you also get hit with the real force of the state the police come down on you Fascist mobs are unleashed to come at you. So it gets difficult to stay out there, and then you get enticements to go somewhere else. And people need to look at this and see, one, just look, ask yourself this question. Am I really okay with what goes down every day under this system? Mm -hmm. Am I cool with that? And I know a lot of you aren't because... I saw you in the streets. I was with you in the streets in Minneapolis and in New York. And I'm sure you had the same sentiments as people there. They really wanted to see this ended. Then you got to dig for how to do that and not get thrown off by, you know, ooh, this would take me outside of my comfort zone. Revolution, communism, those are boogie words scary words yes but they who is really scared of that the rulers of this system because they know that represents the end of their system their power and their ability to mangle dismantle and crush the lives of so many people here in this country and around the world and you even see this in operation in the ahmad arbery trial the trial of the murderers of ahmad arbery and here, look, this was a people's victory. This was a good outcome. And people were right to be celebratory off of that. But you should also think about why so many of us were relieved when that verdict came down. Because on the one hand... Hey, Carl, Carl, Carl. I just yes. have to... I, I have to take a break right now and uh, let, let people know it. And then we'll come back and talk to this because that's exactly where I wanted to go. And okay. but let's talk about this now. So we're going to take a quick break and be right back.
Welcome back to the Michael Slate Show. And we're talking today with Carl Dix, and we're talking about all that's going on just recently, and uh, probably <laughs> even before then, and probably be a big fight around it after this. You know, this whole question of what's been what's been the the, the, the sort of the fascism, the growth of fascism here, and and uh, and what it means to people, what it means to people's lives. Now, now, Carl, you know, the trial of the murderers of Ahmad Arbery. This is something that even Joe Biden calls a lynching. You know, that's. <laughs> You know, and that the, the, their Klansmen or whatever they are, they weren't arrested for 74 days. A lot was revealed in the trial to show, uh, as we say, the whole damn system is guilty. Let's talk about that, because I know that's where you were sort of headed, but let's dig into that yeah, a little that, bit more. That's exactly where I was going, because, look, you could say on the one hand, well, look, this is real clear. These guys jumped in their trucks, chased Ahmad Arbery because he was a black man running, jogging through a white neighborhood. A couple of them had their guns with them. They tried to run into him as he ran, up trying to get away from him. They ran him off the road one time. Then they circled around and got him between the trucks, trapped like a rat, as one of them said to the cops who came out to the scene of the murder. Yelled at him that they were going to blow his effing head off. And then they murdered him. Now, you could say on the one hand, well, boy, this is open and shut. This is a slam dunk. But then you got to deal with how this actually came down, because this was not the system working. Because these murderers are allowed by the cops to leave the scene of the murder. One of them called the prosecutor and gets advice from her on how to cover up his role in the murder, advice that now has that prosecutor facing charges for obstruction of justice. And for 73 or four days, I forget which, these murderers walked around free. It took a big out public outcry, first there in Georgia, because this happened before the murder of George Floyd, I believe, a few months before. And then it spread around the country. And that outcry is what it took to get this case forced into court, to be taken up for them to be charged with murder. And then even with that, you had this case where these guys were claiming an 1863 slave-chasing law as their legal justification to have formed a lynch mob and carried out the lynching of Ahmad Arbery. And then even with that, you had the, the defense attorneys, one of them talking about these black pastors should be barred from the courthouse because they're trying to influence the jury. Then he likened the black pastors to a lynch mob, calling this a 21st century lynching of the lynchers that he was defending. And then in her closing arguments, another of the attorneys for these murderers just went full-out racist in blaming Arbery for his own murder, saying that he had failed to live up to his potential that he had shown as a younger man, as a teenager, 
and that his choices are what led to his murder. She even had the nerve to criticize how he was dressed in going out for this run, talking about his baggy khakis, no socks, and claiming that he had long, dirty toenails. Stuff that I don't even know if it was true. The truth didn't seem to matter a lot to these people. So this is what was put forward in terms of this defense. And look, I'll tell you, I was very sure that these murderers deserved to be found guilty, but I wasn't sure it would happen, especially when that female defense attorney put out that call to all the racists on the jury to stand firm and don't let our good old boys go down for doing what we all would want to do, you know, with a wink and a nod. So I was relieved, glad and relieved when the guilty verdict came down. But when you put this in the context of what's going on, this is, even though the defense failed, the fact that it was put on, the fact that it spreads around the country is a part of the two sides shaping up. One side saying, yes, indeed, this kind of white supremacist violence is what's needed to keep keep people that this system hates and fears in their place. Yes, they should be allowed to do it. More of it should happen. That was a call for that to be put out. And see, that's important to look at because the fascists in and out of government are operating on two tracks. One is that they're trying to change the rules to enable them to get back in power and become the legitimate exercises, exercises of power in this country. And the other is that they are breaking the rules by gathering and unleashing fascist white supremacist mobs to beat down, terrorize, and even murder people who stand up against them. And these are the terms that they're increasingly laying down, and people have to see it for what it is. You can't sit back and say, oh, well, this case shows that the system can work. Because, look, let's just do a simple calculation. In the 70-some days that it took to force the courts in Georgia to actually treat this like a murder, how many people were killed by police in that period? About 200. Mm-hmm. About one quarter of those 200 people, the police admit, were unarmed and not doing anything wrong when their lives were taken by law enforcement. This is what's going down, and there is no way that you can case by case go through it and try to enact justice to squeeze justice out of this system. You're not going to have a video in every case. You're not going to have the ability to mobilize people in every case. And we're actually leaving out people who may have been murdered by white supremacist, fascist mobs and thugs. This is not, it is not relying on the system to take care of this is not a way to deal 
with this, just this form of the injustice the system brings down. To say nothing of the fact that next week the Supreme Court is going to be dealing with cases that could lead to a woman's right to have an abortion, a legal abortion, is up for grabs and could be overturned in the Supreme Court. To deal with the fact that, I mean, we saw the immigrant, you know, immigration forces down on the border going after Haitians on horseback, whipping at them. We saw that, and these are the guys who are coming in after Trump and all of his anti-immigration hysteria. And they're talking about bringing back one of Trump's anti-immigrant laws about people who are seeking asylum having to not be allowed, not being allowed in the country to press their claims on this. We're seeing that for all their talk about doing something about the environment, they are pushing ahead with fossil fueling their empire all around the globe. This is the reality that we're up against, and people have to see it for what it is and then answer the question that was posed in an article on the website revcom.us commenting on these verdicts. White supremacist walks free in Kenosha. Mm-hmm. Slave chasers on trial in Georgia and the Unite the Right forces going through a civil suit down in uh, Virginia around Charlottesville. What are you going to do? And, and see, that's the question that people have to grapple with. What is it that we are going to do? Is it true? Is it correct that there is no way short of an actual revolution to do this? to stop this system and all the horrors that it brings down, you know, and if there is another way to do it, bring forward your arguments about how that could be done. Don't bring forward. Well, it's not that bad really, because you got to tell that to the people on the border, the Haitians who are being whipped by Homeland security border agents. You got to tell that, to the families of people being brutalized and murdered by these police. You have to tell that to women in Texas who cannot get abortions now because of the law that was put down there and the fact that laws like this are going straight to the Supreme Court and could actually end up with changing the legal status of abortions nationwide. We have to grapple with how we're going to stop this. The Revcoms have a strategy and a plan. We put that forward. I talked about the two pamphlets, the declaration and call to get organized now for a real revolution, and the pamphlet from Bob Avakian, this is a rare time when revolution becomes possible, why that is so and how to seize on this rare opportunity. Avakian has authored a constitution for a future socialist republic in North America. All of this and much more is available on the website revcom.us. You can learn more about it at the weekly Revolution Nothing Less show on at the Revcom's YouTube channel. And you can hook up with the Revolution Clubs. The Revolution Clubs are a nationwide organization that is the main organizational form of the movement for a real revolution. 
people need to grapple with this and decide what they are going to do. And in approaching that, be true to what drove you to act last year. And not only around the beautiful uprising, people were in the streets around the question of a woman's right to abortion. We could go back a few years to the Women's March on the day of the inauguration of Donald Trump when he uh, went into the White House. And then think about the fact that what him and what he represents is still looming over society, working very aggressively to make a comeback by hook or by crook. And what are we going to do in the face of that? And it's not enough to hope it won't end up too bad because it is already bad. And it looming above us is the very real possibility that it could get much, much worse if we don't act. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that, well, let me again tell people that you're listening to the Michael Slate Show and we're talking today with Carl Dix from Revolutionary Communist Party. Now, Carl, we're running up on our time to a certain extent. We've got about 15 minutes left here. And there's a lot of things I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, even in, in terms of the people you talked about, the people that were coming and getting involved in stuff, people that are coming in into, you know, to fight against what was happening. You get all kinds of people. And I noticed that at, at, at a certain point, you actually talked to, talk to, and I don't know if you want to get into this now, but we could always talk about it later, too. You know, the idea that, you, you know, Bob Avakian recently wrote an, an article called The Nation of Islam, not a, force for, not a Force for, a Force Against Emancipation. We Need a Real Revolution. And when you put that in, you know, you look at, like, The Nation of Islam has always sort of, like, posed itself as we are with the people, we stand up against all this stuff. But reality, you get a certain different picture of reality when you look at what happened in, in relation to the Nation of Islam and what was going on now. Yeah, that's a, actually a very important article, and uh, I cannot do it justice in a brief mm-hmm. thing sure. right now, but it is available on the website, revcom.us. And uh, look, people need to check this out, because the thing about the Nation of Islam is that it has long put itself forward as representing the interest of black people, defending black people. And look, that is just not the case. It has at times, you know, sold some wolf tickets, criticized the authorities. But uh, when it came down to it, they were not a force that was mobilizing people to stand up against the horrors being brought down on black people. And in fact, at times, they even stood against mobilizing people to take on those horrors. That, in fact, was at the heart of the split that happened in the nation back in the 60s, the Nation of Islam back in the 60s, when Malcolm X lost, was forced out of the nation because he was actually arguing for a stance against these R's, not to just talk about them, to criticize the system, and then talk about some kind of divine intervention to uh, save black people from the horrors that have been brought down, you know, but to actually stand against them and join the movement that was growing throughout society, the civil rights movement, which soon became a more powerful, more militant 
black liberation movement, Malcolm was forced out of the nation over that. That's important for people to get. And then the other thing that's important, because Avakian is writing this article, the one on the Nation of Islam, as well as articles on the COVID vaccine controversy and the different stances on that, articles about why anarchism is not the way out of the horrors that the capitalist imperialist system brings down, and other articles, because he is fighting with people over what they think and how they think. And he's fighting for a scientific approach, a reality-based approach that looks at evidence in order to figure out what's the real problem we're up against, what causes that problem, what's driving that problem, and what's the real way to solve it. Because the revolution that Avakian is the leader, the revolutionary movement that Avakian is the leader of, is one that is based on this scientific approach, and it is one that cannot succeed without thousands of people coming forward right now, and in the near future, those thousands have to become millions, and they have to be conscious fighters for the emancipation of humanity. It's not a thing where we can fire people up and hope that their emotions will carry them through and lead them to do what's right, or that we can fire people up and they will follow a few revolutionary leaders who know what the goal of the revolution is and they can carry it out. This has to be one where masses of people themselves become conscious revolutionaries fighting for a future free of exploitation and oppression, and they have to have a scientific understanding of what they're going up against and also the way to go up against it and the world that we're trying to bring into being. Without that, we can't succeed at this. And that's, you know, gets you right to the heart of the importance of Avakian's leadership because he has taken the science of revolution, communism, and put it on an even more scientific foundation through studying past leaders of the communist movement, people like Marx, people like Lenin, people like Mao, upholding the many great things that they achieved and the understanding that they developed to achieve those things, but also identifying shortcomings and errors where they didn't stay and cleave to, hang on to that scientific approach and made mistakes. And he's worked to correct those mistakes to give us the basis to go farther and do much better the next time power is in the hands of the people. And that's what we're fighting to carry out right now. We have this leadership. We also have this rare time when revolution becomes possible, even in a powerful imperialist country like this one. And we can't waste it. We can't squander it. We have to really go for it. So people really need to check out, because Avakian has written like 80 articles in the past year, a lot of them speaking to developments around the beautiful uprising against white supremacy and police murder sparked by Derek Chauvin's vicious murdering of George Floyd with his knee on 
Floyd's neck, but a lot of them speaking to questions that are up about how do we get out of this mess. And that's what the article on the Nation of Islam is. It's one of the ones about this is an approach that is out there that a lot of people who hate the mess that this system brings down on people are drawn to. He gets into an understanding of why people are drawn to that. But he also lays bare this approach is not going to end the horrors that you want to see ended. And you got to grapple with what's the real way to do that. So that's the thing about this article. And I really suggest that you have me or Joe Veal, a former Black Panther who's also down with this movement for an actual revolution, or Noche Diaz from the Revolution Club, or somebody else to come on and get more deeply into this article. We can have you on anytime the three of you want to be on. You know, it'll be, you know, that's right. That's right. I, I'm hot about that, man. And, and that's it, you know, th- because we can't allow this stuff to just keep on rushing through. And people can't be allowed to walk through something and say, hey, this looks pretty cool. And that, then forget about it a week from then. You know, there's not, there's a, there, there's a need. There's a need for people to step into the street. There's a need for people to step in against the kind of fascism that's, that, that's growing in, you know, exponentially. You know, this is the kind of thing where, you know, it's not, where it's no longer, you know, there's not people going, oh, my God, there's fascists talking over there. there, there uh, people, people look at it and say, hey, isn't that Joey? Oh, yeah, he's a fascist. Yeah, look at him over here. I mean, there's a, there's a point here that's sort of, there are things dividing up in society. And, you know, there's, they're starting now. They're, maybe they're more than starting. You know, you look at this whole thing. I was just looking at some, this thing that somebody went, uh, made for me when, in talking about what's happening in the, in the world right now. And they made a point that, the worsening climate, the worsening climate emergency, the wave of anti-women, anti-abortion laws. And uh, in the U.S., there's a new re- refugee crisis at the southern border, the daily killings of Palestinians by Zionist forces backed by the, the U.S. But these all have the same, you know, see, and this is the thing, we, we look at it and we think, okay, this is, this is terrible, this is terrible, this is terrible. But what we don't s- spend enough time digging into is understanding, the need to understand where this stuff comes from and what to do about it, because all of these have the same thing behind them, the capitalist imperialist system, especially the U.S. Any final thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that is right on target. I guess as final thoughts, um, I talked about an article on Revcom that posed the question, what are you going to do? And in that article, there are some things drawn from the Rare Times pamphlet that I talked about that people need to do. And they're kind of, we call them the instead of. And I'm just going to read a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Instead of staying in your lane and going for self while this system is moving to even more decisively crush any hope for a world worth living in, people need to be looking at the bigger picture focusing on the greater interest of humanity and the possibility for a far better world and acting to make this a reality. Instead of finding excuses to go along with the way things have been standing apart from or even bad-mouthing the revolution, people need to get with this revolution and not throw away the rare opportunity to be part of bringing something much better into being. 
instead of fighting and killing each other, what people need to be doing now is uniting to defend each other, opposing all unjust violence, not launching attacks on anyone, but at the same time, not allowing the police or civilian fascist thugs to wantonly brutalize and murder people. And people need to do this as part of building up the forces for revolution. And there are three other insteads. I don't know how your time is. Yeah, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Let me read at least one more. You can read all three. Instead of snarking and sniping at each other and being divided by identities, people should be working to unite everyone from every part of society who can be united in the fight against oppression and injustice with the goal of putting an end to this system that is the source of this oppression and injustice. Instead of lashing out with individual acts of frustration or attempts to take on this system with small isolated forces that have no chance of succeeding, people need to pour their anger and their hatred for injustice into building a movement of millions that could have a real chance to defeat this system and make a real revolution. And instead of being a tail on the democratic donkey with its attempt to keep this monstrous system going, and to deal with the growing fascist danger by relying on the normal procedures of this system and doomed efforts to heal the divisions that are deepening every day, people need to work for the revolution that is urgently needed and deal with the fascist danger as part of doing that. Mm -hmm. And then one more thing I do want to raise. The revolution clubs are having mass meetings the weekend of December 5th around the country. And people should go to the website, revcom.us, to get more information on that. And uh, the next episode of the Revolution Nothing Less show, the YouTube show, it's the at the Revcom's YouTube channel, is going to have more information on that in its uh, next episode. But you could also check out the one that premiered last night. It was a special show taking in you know uh you could call it no thanks day most people call it thanksgiving <laughs> some people who've looked at the history of this country have a no thanks thing they want to put on it some of the indigenous people call it a day of mourning but that that episode had some stuff especially themed towards that and uh people should really check it out all right, Carl, we're going to have to wrap this up now, but thanks a lot for doing all this, and hopefully we'll talk to you again very soon. Okay, thank you for having me on, Mike. Sure, sure. Take care, man. All right, I want to thank everybody for being, everything that you people have done today. It's, it's been very, very important, and its important, importance will continue to spread, you know, and I think it's really, it's, it's, very, it's imperative that we pay attention to what's going on and who's doing what and how we're going to change all this, all right? I want to thank Carl Dix. And the people who helped with the show, the engineer, Gary Baca, and assistant producer, Henry Carson, and each and every one of you. If you want to write to me, you can at mslate at themichaelslateshow.com. Once again, it's mslate at themichaelslateshow.com. And you can also, you can, you know, look, just check that one out, all right? But really, brothers and sisters, we need to get up off the seats. We need to actually, you know, look at what's happening in the world and then decide what you're going to, pe- what you're going to do in relation to that, all right? So we'll be back again next week and uh, see you then.
getting in mischief I'm listening I want to hear your thoughts See it all Like a hit waves through the walls You want to go out tonight You want 